Let's turn to uh, Psalm 8. Psalm 8. Today we'll be talking about God's excellent judgment. Psalm 8, I'll begin reading at verse 3. When I consider the works, the heavens, thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over thy works, over the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. Now, many of you have already heard much of what I'm going to say today, especially the first part. But there are many here who have not heard. And last week I had two main points. God's excellent name and God's excellent love. Today we have God's excellent government. God's excellent government. God rules. His grace is on us, and he has given us dominion over the earth. In other words, God has given us dominion over creation. Now, much of what, you've, uh, what, I've, what you hear today, you have already heard, but creation, God expects us to care for his creation. We're to be good stewards of what he's given us. The earth and all that is in the visible universe. We're to govern with intelligence. That lets me out. But we're to govern with intelligence, reason, and love. That, by the way, separates us from the creatures. Intelligence, reason, and love. Communication. God has put us in a position to govern as he has given, as he gave us dominion over the works of his hands. And according to the God, all things are put under your feet or our feet. This passage is applied to Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, chapter 2. And Jesus is the perfect man as well as the perfect God. He is the pattern for redeemed humanity. That's us, folks. Redeemed humanity. He is our power. He is our goal. We're to get, draw close to him. Imitate him. He is the pattern for redeemed humanity and man's rule over creation. Even the paths of the seas. 3,000 years ago in Psalm 8, David wrote about things that would not be known for another 2,500 years. By the way, David was right. Calvin didn't know about it, so Calvin didn't mention the paths of the seas in verse 8. Albert Barnes did, though 
Burns was a little vague. He wasn't clear at all. He said, Burns said that the best meaning is our referring to everything which moves in the waters. And he's right. That's true. But the idea is that man has a wide and universal dominion. A dominion so vast as to cause amazement, wonder, even gratitude that that dominion has been given to feeble little man. I don't fault Barnes or Calvin. Both those men were geniuses. They worked with what they had. They didn't know about the paths of the seas. That is... This is what you've heard before, the Atlantic Gulf Stream. Do you know about the Atlantic Gulf Stream? The Gulf Stream is one of the paths of the seas. And the Gulf Stream is a mighty river rushing through the ocean. Uh, in our hemisphere, it begins off the southern tip of Florida. It flows north along the eastern seaboard then crosses the ocean flowing northeast. It never stops. It's always flowing through the ocean. A branch splits off to supply the Mediterranean. Another goes to the Bering Sea and another under the Arctic Ocean. By, by comparison, this thing, this mighty river turns the Mississippi River into a backyard guppy stream. Hurricanes form off Africa. They cross the ocean. They go west. Some ride the Gulf Stream to die out in the Atlantic. But this mighty river flows on and on and on, hurricane or not. A thing about this great river is that a boy down in Old Caroline goes deep sea fishing and he knows about the Gulf Stream. He knows that fishes play in the Gulf Stream. Some deep sea fishing trips go out that far. I never did, but I knew of some that did. It's, a, it's quite a long way out, maybe more than a one day trip. Anyway, small fish and big fish play in that mighty river. God controls it. Fish play in it. Man uses it for his own benefit under God's permission, of course. You ever hear of Ponce de Leon? Some of you heads going up and down. <laughs> Ponce de Leon, the Spanish explorer, found out about the Gulf Stream by accident. This, he, I think he was going from east to west. This is what he wrote in his ship's log on April 22nd, 1513. De Leon wrote, that is, that it was a current of such that although we had a great wind, they could not proceed forward, only backward. They had to get out of that Gulf Stream to do what they were doing. In the end, it was known that the current was more powerful than the wind. Later on, Ben Franklin wrote about it. Franklin learned of it from a Nantucket whaling captain named Folger. 
F-O-L-G-E-R, to whom he, Franklin, was related. That is what Captain, this is what Captain Folger told Cousin Ben. The good captain explained that merchant ships routinely, routinely crossed the then unnamed Gulf Stream, identifying it by whale behavior and measurement of the water's temperature, the speed of the bubbles on its surface, and the changes in the water temperature, water color. Then later on, sailing ships cut two weeks. This is going from east to west now. No, no. From, from west to east. Later on, sailing ships cut two full weeks off transatlantic crossing times when they caught the Gulf Stream just right. We learned about that in the seventh grade geography class. I think it was the seventh grade. Anyway, God gave man dominion over the Gulf Stream to use for man's good. And God is good because of God's excellent government. Now, as I indicated, there's a branch of this thing that breaks off and flows by the Straits of Gibraltar, and I think it splashes over into the Mediterranean Sea. I imagine that God's whale, under the almighty sovereign hand, hitched a ride on this thing and rode that river to the very spot where God had a cold and wet Jonah. So God put Jonah, God put Jonah in his, or God's, submarine seminary, prepared just for his wayward prophet. Jonah learned his lesson well as the well spat him out on dry ground. Jonah made a beeline to Nineveh, people getting saved left and right. How can God put us in charge of this such great greatness and glory? God is good, his government is excellent, and God has given us oversight of this Creation. How can he do that? I don't know, but he did, and he did because God remained sovereign, and his government is excellent, and God has made us responsible to care for creation, but that only goes so far. And he, if we begin to blunder, and we often do, then God in his sovereignty corrects us, and if God's earth warms, if it warms, it warms not because of man, but because of God. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we rest, rest in God's hands, giving him praise and glory and obedience and love and pray <laughs> on a little side here that he will soon remove this dreaded administration. Anyway, our God is a mighty God. No one is like he is. No one. He put us in charge of his creation. So how, so we bow to him 
and not to whimsical, capricious man. Psalm 8, 3 through 6. When I consider the works of thy finger, thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou even visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. My question is, what is man that thou art mindful of him? David looked out at the night sky. He saw how that the heavens declared the glory of God, how the firmament showeth his handiwork. Then David looked down and he saw mankind's sinful, depraved state. And the only sensible thing he could do was to question how such a magnificent and great God could even think of lowly man. That's a good question. But it's apparent that God thinks on us. He saved us. He thinks on us. His thoughts penetrate the muck and the mire of this old earth down to the depths of the sea as Jonah cried out, Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah chapter 2 verse 9. David was a mighty man of God, but David knew how low he was, how little he was, how sinful he was. How can you think on me, Lord? But God did, and God thinks on us too. Right now, where you sit, he's thinking on you. We're gathered together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. His spirit is within us. And there is no place, no place that we can go to escape God's thoughts and his knowledge and his judgment. David also wrote Psalm 139. I like that Psalm. Where he acknowledged God's universal presence. Note the word and Psalm 139, verses 1 through 11. This is the same psalmist that wrote Psalm 8. This is Psalm 139, verses 1 through 11. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. He knows what's going on in your head right now. He knows what's going on in mine, in my heart. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine 
thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. You can't see me. Even the night shall be light about me. We can't escape God's thoughts or his judgments. Not in the least. His spirit uncovers our darkest places, our thoughts, and our plans. Tell that to that young boy. I'm thinking about when I was growing up now. <laughs> Tell that to that young boy who uncovers, who takes his lunch, mark, lunch money to the pool hall, that God's spirit is right there with him. God will search him out. He can't escape God's knowledge. And daddy, <laughs> that bar you're thinking about is no place to hide, even though its lights are down low and its drapes are shut so that people can't look in. Daddy, you can't escape God's plans or judgment either. Not even in the darkest of places. Mama, you can't either. I don't know what it's like now. Excuse me. I don't know what it's like now, but the Jehovah's Witnesses, Jehovah's Witness places, never used to have windows in their kingdom hall. They didn't want people to know who attended there. Perhaps in their twisted mind, they even thought that they could hide from God. I don't know. But I read a headline for an article recently that stated that a kingdom hall in Russia was attacked. Seven people were murdered right there. Listen, none of us can hide from God. His spirit will find us. Whither will I go from thy spirit? Or whither will I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Wherever I go, Thou art there. Listen to me. If you're not sinning, you have no reason to hide from God. 
All of us sin sometime. And I don't leave me out of that. But I want God to see me. I want him to know me. I want him to judge me. I want to acknowledge him in all my ways so that he will direct my paths. I think that's on our bulletin. Somewhere. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. I want him to acknowledge. I want him in all my ways so that he will direct my paths. If I acknowledge him in all my ways, I reduce, I reduce the chances of sinning as he directs my ways. This Christian life is hard, folks. It's not a, it's not a, a cherry ride or whatever you want to call it. The Christian life is hard enough as it is. And I need all the help that I can get. Left to myself, I fall all over me. But I'm not alone. All of us need direction from the Almighty. Let me tell you something. Like I said, I want God to see me, know me, and judge me for what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what a peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Guilty. So to avail yourself of all his blessings and his goodness, don't attempt to hide from him. You can't do it anyway. So don't even try. Instead, seek constant fellowship with God, with Him. Seek His faith. Seek His presence. Seek Him. Walk in the light as He is in the light. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we love Thee today. And we need thee today. We thank thee that what a friend we have in Jesus. We thank thee that we have him as our Savior. We thank thee that we have you as our God. And we thank thee for the love that fell on us when we didn't deserve it. We love you, O Lord. But that's only because you loved us. 
We pray that you would touch each heart in this room and anyone who hears this message. We ask, O oh God, that you'd use it for your glory and your honor. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.